Last week, we talked to you about the conflict in the Middle East, and uh, I had all intentions of moving on to another subject today, but the Lord impressed me to take that further, and I have more information to give you. I want to talk to you a little bit more about it. As you well know, last week there was a ceasefire that happened. I think it was on Thursday or Friday, the ceasefire, where that Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip is no longer fighting. I thought I might share with you why that happened and how it happened. And some of you may get very excited about it, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. This comes from the, Bloom, the Bloomberg report that I gleaned from you that I'm going to tell you about and how that all came about. I mean, let me just say one thing here that much of Hamas's, most, most of all of their rockets that they have, that they fire at Israel from the Gaza Strip, comes from Iran. Iran supplies them with that. And uh, Iran gets it from Russia. They supply Hamas because Iran cannot do it. Otherwise, Israel would attack them very severely. And so they do it in sort of a low-key manner, like somebody right around the neighborhood and like it's a, it's a Palestinian thing more than anything else. Well, anyhow, this is where they get their information. And, of course, as you know, the United States gives Iran about $2 million a year just to keep peace with them and keep everything running smooth. So, anyhow, just want to let you know that I don't know where that $2 million goes, but there are rockets bought from Russia and they are, and they are sold to Hamas. This is what happened this past week. And the President of the United States <clears throat> contacted the President of, of, of uh, Egypt because he's on speaking terms with both of those groups. He contacted them and said, I want you to go to Hamas and I want you to go to Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, and I want you to tell them that we want you to bring forth peace, and if you do, this is what we will do. Now, the United States will do this through the United Nations. The United Nations is carrying the flag, but the United States is the one that's backing it up. And this is what it is. This is what he said. Tell Hamas that we will rebuild their, all their damage, all their buildings, all of their houses. The United States will rebuild that. If you will cease fire, we will rebuild everything you've lost. This is in Hamas. Then tell Israel that if you cease fire, cease fire, we will help you to re-strengthen and better equip you for the Iron Dome that you have. The Iron Dome is a rocket system. There's no dome up there, but they call it that. We have that here in the United States. And it is that there's rockets positioned to meet incoming rockets with, you know, with warheads on them or whatever they might be have. And they can rise and meet them. As you probably know, 90% of all the rockets fired from Hamas to Israel were met by these rockets from that Iron Dome, so-called. And they were taken out. Only about 10% got through, even though there was something like 3,000 of those rockets that were fired from Hamas. You well know that. But this is how they came to peace. And so Israel said, okay, if the United States are going to help us to rebuild and strengthen, not rebuild so much as to strengthen and to solidify and receive the, the weapons that we need for our Iron Dome, we'll cease fire. Hamas says we'll cease fire if they will do it. And good old USA is going to pay for it. Does that sound familiar? Anybody surprised? The president promised them that, so that's how they came about doing it. So we're on the hook now to try to to, you know, we brought peace over there by saying we'll rebuild everything, we'll pay for everything, everything. So, if some of you folks said, you know, my taxes are really getting high, <laughs> you know where some of it is going to. I won't go any further with that, only to say that this is what happened all last week. Praise God. Now, I'm going to pass out a handout to you. There is no scripture on this handout that I'm going to give you. And I'm just going to talk to you a little bit here about some things. To understand Israel today, we must look at Israel's past. And I'm going to talk a little bit here about Israel's past 
And then a little bit later on, we'll look at some scriptures here to substantiate these things. Uh, But to understand Israel today, where they are, what they're going through. And I might just say this, that Israel is God's ancient people. And uh, God is, praise the Lord, still got his hand on them. I'll give you scriptures for that in a few moments, too. But if you get these handouts here, and at the top of your page, it'll say, to understand Israel today, we must look at Israel's past. And this is what is being handed to to you right now. Now, let me get this on the screen here without bumping a little a little button or something making it difficult let's see if this will work that's the wrong one this is the one we want right here all right this is what's being handed out to you right now and uh sure it's clear i think that's the focus yeah everybody see that you got one in your hand everybody with me i want you to look at number one here notice here there's no scriptures involved here there's statements and i'm going to talk to you about these things number one israel divided after solomon's reign and i'm going to just point this out to you that after solomon had reigned way back a thousand years bc whenever he passed away because of his law he lost out with god toward the end of his reign he had a bunch of wives they began to take his heart toward paganism and uh, he fell into that trap and the lord said because of that i'm going to divide your kingdom your son will rule the southern kingdom and uh your servant will rule the northern kingdom and so i'm putting this chart you don't have this but i'm going to put this up here for you to see you look at this this sort of gives you an idea here but Saul reigned for 40 years, David reigned for 40 years, and Solomon reigned for 40 years. And this is the years that they began their reign and so forth and everything. Finally, when Solomon died in 975 B.C., this is all B.C. dates, uh, their kingdom was divided into two parts, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. Now, I uh, have a map here. I can show you this. This is a map of Israel. I'll come back to that chart in just a moment. This is a map of Israel. And uh, it shows the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah, Simeon, Benjamin is right in here. Reuben. I won't name all of them, but this is all Manasseh, Ephraim, and so forth. Gad. These are the 12 sons of Jacob. They were the 12 tribes of Israel and so forth. This is how they were divided up. And so when this happened, Israel was divided between this, like this. Benjamin sort of went with Judah. Uh, Simeon was drafted in because Simeon was more down in the southern part uh, by, with Judah. And so the lion draw came like this. And this became the northern kingdom and was called Israel. This was the southern kingdom and it was called Judah. So these two kingdoms lived side by side as sister nations for probably about uh, for about 600 years or not 600 years for several several hundred years and we'll go on down here a little further the northern kingdom israel was started out being ruled by jeroboam the southern king was rehoboam jeroboam says to the people of israel you don't have to go to jerusalem to worship anymore you can worship in samaria so he set up a capital there for them to go to so they, so they would not have to look to Judah for their welfare. Time rocked along and Israel became very, the northern kingdom became very wicked and lost out with God and committed all kinds of sins and atrocities against the Lord. Finally, in 721, in 721, he allowed and caused the Assyrians. This is a map of the Middle East here. And this is the Mediterranean Sea. This is uh, Iran. This is Egypt over here. And uh, this is the Euphrates River, the Tigris River. There was a country called Assyria here. And its capital was Nineveh. 
they swept over through here. They came down in this area and they conquered the northern kingdom and they captured the people and they scattered them all over the place. They took those Jews out of there, scattered them all over the place and uh, put other Gentile people down in there. And they uh, moved in there and lived with those Jews and they mixed together and they came to be called Samaritans because they were half Jews and half Gentiles. I won't go any further with that. Those were the ones that were there when Jesus' day. And the Samaritans were half Jews, half Gentiles, and was not liked by the Jews and so forth. I won't get into the details, but that's, I think you know that. So they, were, they, they came to their end. But God allowed the southern kingdom, Judah, and this was called Israel, this was called Judah, and this is where the word Jew comes from. Judah, the southern kingdom, lasted until 588 B.C., 606 and then 588. Now, if you look back at the, this is just a chart here I thought I'd show you there. If you will look back at the, uh, what we've shown you here, the southern kingdom Judah right here on B, conquered, was conquered in 606 B.C. and again in 588 B.C. In 606, they conquered it. They took uh, 5,000 young people from Israel back to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar did. And he made them to be his servants, uh, made them to be his workers. And Ezekiel was part of that. Daniel was part of that. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, what we call the three Hebrew children that was later thrown into the fiery furnace. And they walked out and so forth. All, they were part of that group. And now they were taken over. Daniel was over in Babylon and received many revelations from God concerning Israel and Israel's future. I won't get into all the detail on that, only to say that this happened in 606 B.C. Finally, in 588 B.C., we're, we're counting backwards because we're in B.C., you know that. In 588 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came back to Jerusalem said, because you haven't done everything I've told you to do, you haven't paid your taxes, you haven't sent me money, you haven't done this and that and everything. And so he destroyed the city of Jerusalem and also the temple destroyed it. This was Solomon's beautiful temple he had built. It was totally destroyed in 588. You see, this is 500 years after Solomon had built it. So I'm pointing out to you here the things that happened that brought around uh, uh, Jerusalem. Now, here's what happened, number two. If you go to number two here with me for a minute. From 606 B.C. until today, Israel has been subject, look at this closely, to Gentile powers. Israel has never been totally independent of of Gentile powers. She was subject to Gentile powers from that time on. And even though later they would come back and rebuild their temple and rebuild their their land and everything, they were always subject to a power greater than them that was Gentiles. They always had to sort of work with them, go along with them, and sort of don't kick against the pricks type things. And so from 606 B.C. until today, even till to this day, Israel had been subject to Gentile powers. That's why even today America is Israel's friend. Thank God for that. We're America's, we're Israel's friend. But... And Israel knows that, and she leans on America a lot for that. So I'm just trying to tell you here, this is where Israel is today. And to understand Israel today, we have to understand some things that happened to them way back there in the past. I'm going to move on very quickly here. Look at number number three. Israelites returned to Palestine. That is from that captivity back then by the Babylonians. The Babylonians conquered Judah, the southern kingdom. The Israelites returned to Palestine in 536 B.C. after 70 years of captivity to rebuild the temple and reestablish Israel as a nation. This is recorded in the book of Ezra and also in the book of Nehemiah. They talk all about it, especially the book of Ezra and uh, how they went back. Uh, The man was named Zerubbabel, who was the chief of the Jews who went back and they gave him the media Persian Empire, who had then conquered the Babylonians, gave him full access to go back and rebuild, and they did so. Now, when, if you look at number four here, they continued to be under these different empires. There was the media Persian Empire, there was the Grecian Empire, uh, then finally there was the Roman Empire, 
And finally, under the Roman Empire, the coming of Christ. This was about like 400 years later this would happen. And if you look at number four here with me very quickly here, his ministry and miracles were evidenced in his identity. In other words, Jesus proved who he was, the Messiah. He was the Messiah when he came. And he declared himself to be the Messiah. And many times, several times I should say, those Jews would pick up stones to stone him to death because they said, you being a man, make yourself God. And he was, he was a man and he was also God. But he was God who had made himself man. And he walked among them. And so there was always this contention that was between the leaders of Israel at the time of Jesus and Jesus doing his ministry. He did many, many miracles. He did many, did a lot of teaching. And this was all evidence. This is all gave evidence to his identity that he was absolutely the Messiah. I won't go into detail on that. Uh, finally, B, Jesus' rejection and crucifixion. We all know that. That's all in the New Testament. C, Jesus' resurrection and ascension. These are the letters I'm looking at. Jesus' resurrection and ascension. He ascended into heaven. And then D, the beginning of the church age. Now, this is all recorded in the New Testament. The book of Acts, of course, talks about the early church and so forth. Now, number five, we move on. Because Israel rejected Jesus as their Messiah and because their sins and their transgressions continued to exist and they never changed anything, the Lord brought judgment upon them once again. Not just the Babylonians now. And not just the the uh, the, uh, the Syrians, then the, the Babylonians, but now it was the Romans that would come against them. Daniel prophesied this in chapter nine, verse twenty-six. I won't go into detail on that, but he prophesied that this would happen, and that there would be a prince that would come there from another people, and they would conquer the city, destroy the temple, and the Messiah would be would be killed, and so forth. He prophesied all that in the twenty-six. You want to write that down sometime, look at it very close at Daniel 9, 26. It records it all very thoroughly. And uh, this is what did happen. The beginning of the Roman Empire army, and it came upon Jerusalem in 70 A.D. and destroyed Jerusalem, the city, and destroyed the temple, devastated it. Now, this is all recorded in the book of Josephus. Josephus was a Jewish historian, the fabulous Josephus. He was a Jewish historian who was born in 37 A.D. Just after Christ was crucified, he was born. And it was during that first century that all this happened. So that at 70 A.D., uh, Josephus was, what, uh, some 35 years old or so. And he was a very brilliant man. He was a writer, historian. He wrote the book of Josephus. Josephus himself was the mayor, if I could call it that, of a town in Jerusalem that was conquered by the Roman armies. They fought against the Roman army themselves, and he, they were conquered. And they brought him before Vespasian, who was the general of the Roman army at that time. And Vespasian talked to Josephus and said, you know your people don't stand a chance. They, they can't oppose the Roman army. Why are they standing against the, the Roman army? And they became, they began, began to converse and he asked Josephus, why don't you help your people by telling them that they cannot succeed? And so Josephus began to try to warn the Jews, this army is too vast. In his writings, he describes the Roman army in detail, how they camped, how they dismissed their embarkment, how they did, how they burned everything behind them when they went forward, uh, how they wore their warfare and everything. Results of this battle is still in Jerusalem and still over in the Middle East. I've been there and I've seen the, the, the rocks and the, the old walls torn down and all of that's still there. And I'm just telling you that so that you'll understand here that Josephus recorded all of this. His book is not a little old thin book. It's a thick book and it has a lot of information in it. So I'm telling you here that all of this did happen just like he just like it was described by Jesus. Jesus said that when you shall see Jerusalem camped round about, they know that the devastation is nigh by, by armies. In the 21st chapter of Luke, he records that. I'm going to move on very quickly here. At A, Jews were sold into slavery and scattered throughout all the world. Now, 
The Lord had warned Israel that whenever these things, that these times would come. And I'm going to read to you here in Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you want to look at this scripture, this is not in your notes, but I'm just going to read this to you. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 15. This is where he talks about all the blessings of God that would be upon Israel if they live for him. And then finally in verse 15, he reverses that. And he says here in 15, verse 15, 28, 15 of Deuteronomy, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments and his statutes, which I have commanded this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And he goes on to describe things that would happen to them. Finally, in verse 25, he says, The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them and shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Now notice that. The Lord warned them, if you do not live for me, and that God's going to bring an army against them and they're going to be scattered throughout all the world. In this 28th chapter, he continues to talk about it. I'm reading here in verse, the latter part of 63. The latter part of verse 63. If you look at that one, I won't read the whole verse. It's a long verse. But if you look down at and ye shall be plucked from off the land. Notice that part. And ye shall be plucked from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. Verse 64. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth, even unto the other. Notice all of that. This is in the Bible now. This was in Deuteronomy warning Israel that if you failed God, this is what would happen to you. And there shall, and there shalt thou serve other gods, which neither thou nor their fathers have known even wood and stone. Verse 65, first part of that. Verse 65, and among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the soles of thy foot have rest. So this is trying to show you here how that Israel would be scattered and so forth. Read one other verse in verse 68, 68 of that same chapter, 28 of Deuteronomy. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. By the way wherewith I spoke unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. That is the city of Jerusalem. And there ye shall be sold in Egypt until unto your enemies ye shall, ye shall I'm sorry, I lost my place here. You shall be sold unto your enemies for bondsmen and bondswomen, and no man shall buy you because there'll be so many slaves that nobody won't any more slaves. This is all found in Deuteronomy here. And this is what did happen in 70 AD, exactly, folks, like it happened. And Jerusalem had been caught with those Roman armies caught Jerusalem with on feast days, a feast day in which there was uh, there was a like one million two hundred thousand Jews in Jerusalem. And they locked them in and barred them in there and fought against them until they killed one million one hundred thousand. Josephus records this one million one hundred thousand Jews and took a hundred thousand of them captive and took them down in Egypt and sold them as slaves. Just like the Bible said, this is what would happen to you. Do you understand what I'm saying here? The Lord told them, this is what will happen if you transgress the Lord. Now, Leviticus 26 records the same thing. I won't try to read that, but if we were to go to Leviticus chapter 26, it records the same thing that Deuteronomy here does. The Lord said, this is what will happen, this is what will happen, this is what will happen. And I won't take time to do that because I don't want to take up too much more time in that. I'm just trying to tell you here and show you here. That all these things, the Lord warned them. Now, I'm going to move on very quickly because I want to get to where we are today. Now, A here. Jews were sold into slavery and scattered throughout the world. We, we talked about that. And over the years, there have been attempts by Jews to reestablish Israel as a nation, a home for the Jewish people. This is called Zionism. It's called Zionism. And... Uh, the scattering of the Jews throughout the world is, is called the uh, diaspora. That's a word the Jews use. It's a Jewish word, I guess. Diaspora, it means dispersed. But they were dispersed in all the world. They're called the diaspora. And so the past 2,000 years is termed by them the diaspora. They were sent into all of the world. Folks, there is a history of this like you would not believe. 
They were, they were, they were, they were sold into Spain. And Spain, they became very prosperous in Spain. And then whenever they, the, uh, they decided in Spain to get rid of all the Muslims who had come in the southern part of Spain, drive them out. When they had finally done that, that was in 1492 by uh, Ferdinand and Isabella, incidentally, who licensed also Columbus to come to America. They drove them out. And then when they got through, they said, while we're at it, why don't get rid of the Jews, too? So they drove out the Jews. And the Jews went to England, Germany, Holland, uh, France, up in the northern part, up, in the, up into the uh, Sweden, different countries like that. So I'm just trying to tell you how that they were just scattered around. Uh, in Russia, they were persecuted. Uh, different countries they went to, they would, they would be there for a while and then they would be under, came under persecution. Now I'm going to part B here very quickly here. Over the years, there have been attempts by Jews to reestablish Israel as a nation, a home for the Jewish people. This is called Zionism. Zionism, listen to me closely now. Zionism is not God reestablishing Israel as a nation. Zionism is Israel reestablishing, the Jews are reestablishing themselves as a nation. It's called Zionism. Uh, I was in Israel, what, I think the time I'm thinking of was about seven years ago. It's the last time I was there. And uh, we had a guide that was going to lead us who was a colonel in the uh, Israeli Air Force, but he had not arrived yet. So for two days on our seven-day trip there, we had a woman who was our guide that was talking to us, telling us about this and that and showing us everything. And she kept talking about Jesus, mentioning Jesus. So finally, confidentially, I said to her, are you a Messianic Jew? Which means, do you believe in Jesus as the Messiah? Messianic Jew is, is Jesus is the Messiah. Do you, are you a Messianic Jew? She says, I'm a Zionist. And when she said, I'm a Zionist, I said, I understand. I knew exactly what she meant. And this is what Zionism is. Zionism is that we are for the rebuilding of Israel as a nation and as a country. We don't care what your beliefs are. We don't care if you believe in God or you don't believe in God. This woman was, might have been, she was from Russia originally. And a lot of Jewish people that are from Russia were atheists. Because of the communism was anti, you know, God type of a political system. And uh, she was, uh, she was, said, I'm a Zionist. The Zionists may not believe in God at all. You see the Jews over there, some of them have got these broad hats, black hats. They're square, they're black, they wear shawls and things. And they're very religious people, very orthodox Jews. They pray a lot. They go to the Western Wall and they pray. They go back under that little concave that's against the Western Wall that's under a bridge that passes over. And they go back in there and they pray a lot. These people are really praying people. Uh, we were traveling on a Jewish airlines there and back. And come the, the praying hour, these people start praying on the plane. Because it's a Jewish airline, nobody stops them, nobody interferes with them. That's how dedicated they are. Then you've got the Jews who wear these little skull caps. That's all, just a skull cap on their heads. They're more like, uh, you know, more modern and everything. Then you've got those that don't wear anything, and they don't care about anything. Some of them maybe, maybe believe in God. Some of them don't believe in God. Some of them are they're, they're very liberal in their beliefs. And so they've got all kinds of beliefs, and they're all Zionists. Zionism means we're for everybody. So when somebody says I'm a Zionist, it doesn't mean that I am a religiously Judaism believer. And this is what they, this woman meant when she said I'm a Zionist. And this is what has brought about the existence of present-day Israel is Zionism. And you can read it in your history books. It's all there. Zionism is brought about here. It's not God that has brought them back. It's Zionism. It's them doing it themselves They and everything. And, of course, many of them believe it is God because they want to believe it's God. The Orthodox believe it is God and that this is God's time for us. Others said, believe whatever you want to believe, you know. Uh, there's many Jews that are in Israel that are atheists. They don't even believe in God. They don't even believe in the Bible. They don't believe in anything. They're just Jews. And they said, we're Jews, so this is our country. And, of course, they said, you're welcome, you know, and that's, that's how they believe it. Now, I've told you all of that so you'd understand here. 
that this is not where God really wants to bring Israel yet. They are not there yet. This is the modern day Israel today. And while they are God's ancient people and God is going to fully restore them, they are not there yet. This is why there's problems there. This is why there's trouble there. Uh, let me move on a little further here. Let me go to the next one, number eight here. And that is this, that with the establishment of today's Israel, they feel the only thing lacking in the coming of the Messiah. That's for those who believe in the coming of the Messiah. And a lot of them don't even believe in that. The only thing lacking in the coming of the Messiah is the building of the temple on the temple mount, of course. On the temple mount. And this is where, and this is number seven, herein lies the problem. The Arab world views the temple mount as theirs and is Islam's third holiest place in the world. I mentioned that to you last week. They will defend it at any price, and they will state that. So this is the conflict. It's all... And when you go there, folks, it's a place that about the size of our property here on this church, this church property we got right here. I don't know. This is a piece of land. And here, the, all this tension and all this friction and all this commotion. We had a, a, a guy some 20 years ago by the name of Amos when I was in Israel. And he was one of the guys that had been in the Six-Day War in 67, and he had... They had parachuted and he had landed on the Temple Mount, landed on there. And he and other Jews had landed and they had conquered it. And they thought, oh, God, we've conquered the, the, the Temple Mount. Now we can build the temple. And when we build the temple, the Messiah would come. Because the Orthodox Jews believe when they build the temple, the Messiah will come. That's, what they, that's why they want to see it done. And so they pray and they pray and pray. They take the position and the attitude we're going to pray about it the more aggressive one says no no we've got to move on it we got to make it happen and so they want to make it happen and they're more aggressive about it they're called the temple mount society they have a temple mount society group and this is another group and then you've got the real liberal ones who said no 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 don't 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 rattle the cage don't shake up nothing you'll get us all killed because there's a lot of Muslims out there. And if we try to take the Temple Mount or we try to move in on it or we try to fudge a little bit or something, they'll be right on top of us. We, we can't do it. We, we, it won't happen. And so they go back and forth. And whoever the prime minister is, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is, is a very conservative one. And he's a little bit on the battle side. And he is, he is criticized by a lot of the Jews because they're afraid he's going to get us into war. And when this last thing happened, they were criticizing him. And that's why he was ready to call for a ceasefire if the U.S. would help him to build that iron shield. More of it. Do you understand here what Israel's up against and what they're fighting? But this is not where God wants them to come yet. They're not there. Zionism has brought them there. And I'm sharing with you here some things that many people don't even know because there's a lot of information that comes into the whole picture. And so here is these Jewish people here. And uh, Israel does not yet have God's full favor because they have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah. And they have not, they do not have God's full favor yet. Now, I'm going to pass out another handout to you. And it's going to be, it's going to have a lot of scriptures on it. And you're going to look at it and say, oh boy, here we go. And I'm going to read a few of them, but not all of them. And it's only 10 after 8, so we're in good shape here. This is one I'm going to hand you right now. Understanding Israel's restoration. And there's two parts to it. All Israel will turn back to God. And number two, all Israel will return to Palestine. That's a shocking statement. Because Jews are all over the world today. And the in Israel as a nation, they simply think we're Israel as a nation. We've already established it. If you want to come home, you can. We welcome the Jews and the Palestinians and said, we don't need any more Jews in Palestine. We got all that we can stand there. And so everything is at a, where are you going to live if you did go there? All these kind of things. So I'm going to give you a chance to receive this second batch here. This second handout. Praise God. Now, let me, uh, 
I want you to look at Romans 11, 1 and 2. Look at Romans 11, 1 and 2. This is Paul writing to the Roman, uh, to the Roman church, church in Rome. And I'm going to read to you here Romans 11, 1 and 2. Then I'm going to read 25 down through 27. Romans 11, 1 and 2, and then 25 through 26. I say then, hath God cast away his people? This is 11.1 now. This is Paul writing to the Gentile church of Rome. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, and I'll just read that one line. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. God hath not cast them away. Okay, so they're on the back burner is where they are. This is what he said back then. I'm looking, jumping way over the 25 here to save time. Now, this entire 11th chapter talks about Israel and how God has grafted in the, the olive branch, the wild olive branch, which is us, the church, into the root system. Verse 25, for I would not, brethren, have you ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part, in part, is happened to Israel. Is it blindness in part in the sense that many of those Jews did get saved, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and were in that early church, that first church in Jerusalem had between five and 10,000 people. They were very large, but it was not the Jewish nation. He said that, uh, be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be, uh, you'd wise in your conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Notice that, until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved. All Israel. Notice that. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. And that's not quite where they are yet today. So Israel, all Israel shall be saved. So blindness in part has happened unto them. Amen. I want you to look in Luke 21. This is just a confirmation here to the same thing about, uh, about the times of the Gentiles. Look in Luke 21, 24, and he's talking about the Jews. This is Jesus now prophesying what would happen to them when the Roman army would come in and they would be scattered throughout the world. Verse 24, and they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword, speaking of 70 A.D. now, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and that did happen. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, and it was and still is. I mean, not still is, but it was mostly for, for 1,900 years. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So the times of the Gentiles is what is going on now, and that's why we can be saved. We're Gentiles. God has allowed this time of the Gentiles for us to come into the church and be saved. So while the Jews are on the back burner with God, and they are, God still, they're his ancient people, and he is not yet going to, has not yet come to the place where he's going to restore them fully. Yet with the Gentiles, he is working because through the Gentiles, he is bringing forth a church, his people, his kingdom of God on this earth. He says, my kingdom is not uh, visible and it's in the hearts of men and so forth. So he talked about all of that. Now, I want you to go to Revelations with me. Go to look at number two here very quickly. Revelations 10, 7. I want to show you something. And we're jumping right in the middle of some things that happened because when you go into Revelations here, you're talking about Israel now in the future. And here's what will happen with Israel. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, this is uh, Revelations chapter 10, verse 7. The days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, that's the trumpet that he would blow. This was in, in Revelations here. And each time they blew a trumpet, there was an event that would happen. When he shall begin to sound, the, the, when he be, shall blow the trumpet, sound, the mystery of God should be finished. The mystery of God. Now, understand here that Paul just got through talking about in Romans here. For one believes that when in that 11th chapter, he talks about, excuse me, 
He talks about the mystery of God. He said, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. And so here the mystery of God now is going to be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Now, here's what it is. Look at 11.1 very closely. Everybody still with me? Now, hold on to your bonnet. You're with me. And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. Don't measure it no more. Don't measure it no more. No more Gentiles will be saved after this 11th chapter here. The court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot for in two months, which is three and a half years. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days. That's also three and a half years. And so they begin to do, and I won't get into all the details on this except to say that they prophesied for three and a half years and turns, they turned the hearts of the Jews back to, to Jesus Christ, those two prophets, be it Moses and Elijah. And the last verse, the last two verses in the Old Testament, which is in Malachi, states that Elijah will come back and that he will preach. And they'll preach to those Jews and say, Jesus was your Messiah. And those Jews will begin to turn back to the Lord and things will begin to happen to them. Praise the Lord. Uh, and then if I go over in verse 15 of that same 11th chapter of Revelations, and the seventh angel sounded. And there was a great voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And this is talking about Jesus then coming back into full reign with the Jews. I won't go into all the detail, but there's much that can be studied out, as you well know, everything. But I want you to look with me very quickly to tie in with, with Zechariah 12. Zechariah 12. And uh, go to Zechariah 12. 12 10. I want to read uh, 12.2. I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people on the earth be gathered together against it. This is Armageddon, and this will happen as well. Eventually, everybody's going to come against it. Now, here's what will happen. Uh, look at verse 10. This is talking about God's grace for Israel and him turning Israel back to him, those two prophets. Look at verse 10. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. Folks, that's how we're saved. We're saved by grace and that through faith. Grace is that unearned favor of God. He died on Calvary. He shed his blood. He gave his life for us. He sends forth his spirit into our hearts. He deals with us. We walk into a church, we're a stranger, we don't know anything about God or anything else, and the Holy Ghost begins to deal with us. And it get, get, puts us under convictions. We get, we feel goosebumps. We, people react all kinds of different ways. You, you, everybody that's come to the Lord has had that experience some way or another. I did when I was, when I came to God. And it's the spirit of grace. And we are saved by grace and that through faith. Faith is our response to God's grace. We respond to that by obeying the Lord and saying, yes, Lord, I give you my life. I surrender. I walk down to the altar. I raise my hands. I repent of my sins. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. Those are all acts of grace, acts of, I mean, acts of faith. Let me finish up here reading. Now, God will give this to the Jews. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants. I'm reading the 10th verse here. Of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication, that they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. These Jews will go on their face before God, and they will again pray and say, Oh, my Lord, Jesus was our Messiah, and we never knew it. And all of a sudden, the understanding, the grace of God will come to them. And they will understand Jesus was their Messiah and they'll turn back to God. And they will become the Jesus name people on the face of this earth during that tribulation period, starting in that 11th chapter of the book of Revelation.
And they will become the people of God. Of course, the devil's going to fight them. He's going to oppose them. But here in this uh, Zechariah 12, goes on to say in the 11th chapter, In that day there shall be great mornings in Jerusalem as the morning of Hadadad, Hadadad, in the valley of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, wives apart, the husbands apart. In other words, everybody would get alone and get their face on before God and pray through and say, God, I'm so, you know, we never realized Jesus Christ was our Messiah. Now, there are multiple scriptures that establish that, but all of Israel turned back to God. When I say all, there's always those that are that are sons of Jacob, if you know what I'm talking about. They, they're not going to ever get, they, they, they've already decided. It's just like we Gentiles. If they don't want to be saved, they don't want to be saved. But he's talking about Israel as a nation. So all Jews as a nation will turn back to God and be saved and come to the Lord. And God will, of course, uh, turn their hearts back to him. Now look at Zechariah 12. I'm going to move very quickly here. My time is running out. Let's see here. That's where I am, Zechariah 12. Uh, look at Isaiah 52, 6. 52, 6. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. And there are scripture after scripture. I'm not going to read all of these because there's so many of them. But it's all found all through the Old Testament. I'm reading here in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36 and verse 26. 36, 26. This is right here. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. He's talking to Israel now. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Called you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in that land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. This is down in verse 28. So I'm just trying to show you here that these scriptures here are all lined up. One more scripture I'll read and I'm going to move on here very quickly here. And that's the one here. I'm just going to skip. Let's just go to Ezekiel 11 here. And uh, where it says 11, 19. Let's read 17 first. It's not in your notes there, but 11:17. Therefore, say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. Verse 19, and I will give you one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. I'm just pointing out to you here that it's, it's in Ezekiel, it's in Isaiah, it's in Jeremiah. God will change their heart. He will do a work in their soul and so forth. I'm going to move on very quickly here because our time is getting away. And this is Isaiah 43. This is all Israel will return to Palestine. All Israel will turn back to God in their hearts. But then they all Israel will return to Palestine. All Israel would turn to Palestine. All the Jews in the world would come back to Palestine. You say, Brother Myers, are you kidding me? How does the boy, how's that going to happen? It says it in the scriptures. I want you to look at Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, where is Isaiah 43? <laughs> yeah, here it is. Isaiah 43 and verse 5. Yeah, 5 and 7. Okay. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. And I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory and I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. So I'm just giving you here scriptures, you know, that the Lord has impressed me to pass along to you. Uh, Look in Isaiah 66, 20. Isaiah 66, 20. The last chapter is almost down the last verses of Isaiah. 
Verse 20, and they shall bring all your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all the nations upon horses and chariots and in the litters and upon mules and upon swift beasts to my holy mountain Jerusalem, saith the Lord. The children of Israel bring an offering and a clean vessel unto the house of the Lord. So I'm just pointing out to you here all of these promises that God says I'm going to bring them back. Look at Isaiah 49:22. Isaiah 49:22. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine head to the hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. I'm just trying to point out to you here that God is going to bring all the Jews back to Palestine, and he's going to raise them up, and they're going to be the greatest nation on the face of the earth. This is going to be doing what's called a thousand years of peace. And in the meantime... There's going to be a Armageddon in which all the armies of the world is going to come against Israel. And when it does, God's going to step in and he's going to take care of it. That's where you and I, who have already been raptured away before we get into the book of Revelation, we've already been raptured away. God's taken us home before he turns back to the Jews like that. And then we will come with the Lord, 19th chapter of the book of, of, of the book of Revelation. And the Bible says that Jesus will come with ten thousands of his saints, and we will come with the Lord. Praise God. And the glory of the Lord will be so great that all these armies of the world, they will be gathered against Israel finally at this time. And Israel will have become God's people, baptized, not baptized, but just with his grace and his spirit upon them and in them, and recognize Jesus as their Messiah. They will be God's people, and these people will be gathered in Jerusalem, and they'll come against of all these armies and the Lord will come out of glory and he will smite them and they will be blinded. And the Bible says their eyes will be consumed out of their heads and their tongues out of their mouths. They look up and they see the Lord and it'll just go and they'll die. And there'll be thousands, many tens of thousands of these uh, armies that will just perish right there. And God will establish himself with Israel as their nation upon in Jerusalem, in Palestine as his nation and his people on the face of this earth, and they shall rule the world for a thousand years. That's called the millennial period. You and I, where will we be, Brother Myers? You and I will be with the Lord, wherever he is. You say, well, we'll be on the earth, or we can probably be on the earth or above the earth. We could pretty well be anywhere with our glorified body. Folks, the resurrection, praise the Lord, is going to happen, and the rapture is going to happen, and you and I live for that. In one of these days, the Lord's going to take us home. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We have a hope that the world doesn't have. Don't lose it. Don't let nothing take it from you. Walk with God. Believe in the Lord. And God will take care of Israel. <laughs> he will. He will. He will. Don't you love the truth? Don't you love the word of God? Let's stand together and praise him right now. And let's give God the praise. God is so good. Thank you, Jesus. Bless this class today. Bless this group of people. They love you. Thank you, Jesus, for the word of God. Thank you for your scriptures that you've given us, God. To substantiate all that you've promised us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these who live for God and serve the Lord. And one day we know you're coming back for your people without, without spot or wrinkle. Jesus, we glorify you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.